Hello, and welcome to the Burning Cold Theater's podcast series, Into the Fire, with Jerome Davis. I'm Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Cold Theater Company. I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Cold Theater Company podcast series on all things theatrical. Today we have with us Ray Dooley, who needs no introduction. Ray, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Jerry. Thank you. It's my pleasure, too. We've had, uh, had, um, had the pleasure of watching you over the last 25 years or so here at Playmakers. Tell us uh, about the part we don't know. Where did you begin? How did you start uh, in life? Where did you start, and how did you find your way into theater? Oh, thanks. Thanks for asking. Uh, well, I grew up on Long Island near New York. I went to high school there and then uh, to college at Hamilton College, a small then men's liberal arts college in Clinton, New York, up near Syracuse, Utica, up that way in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. I was a double major there in English and they had a very fine English department and and the other department was called at that point theater and drama. Uh It was then so double major. Then at the end of uh, my senior year there, had a choice to make. I I had been accepted for graduate study in English at the University of Virginia, but had applied also for graduate study in acting and was accepted at the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. This is 1975. Uh, In the height of the years that uh, William Ball, who was the founding artistic director, Mm -hmm. or general director, Mm -hmm. was his title actually, um, at ACT. Uh, This was the height of his great years there at Mm -hmm. ACT. Mm -hmm. So uh, I made uh, that, chose the road less traveled, as somebody once put it, (laughs) and went for advanced study in acting at ACT. Spent two years there in the program, it was not at that point a degree-granting institution. Mm. It was a certificate, and uh, I was invited to join the company in my third year, what would have been my third year, under the old journeyman contract. Mm. I don't know that that still exists, but it was a kind of a, you got two-thirds of equity minimum salary, and you could only say a certain number of lines in any given play. But uh, I had already decided to move back to New York, which I did, and this would have been uh, in 1977. Mm-hmm. And into the city this it, time. Right into the city, mm-hmm. and um, started up at that point. I had started, really started acting in high school, and then... Uh, but how did that happen? Did you have parents who were interested mm, in that, or, or no, older my, siblings? My family is all, all computer people. Okay. Uh, IBM. Uh, my mother worked for Doubleday and Company. You're from. Uh, you went. You grew up in Mineola, I believe. I read. Is that right? I was born in Mineola, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just over the Queens line, my family had moved out from the Bronx, where mm-hmm. most of my relatives were at that point. A few a year or two before I was born, and I had been a an athlete in throughout my younger little league, all that, and then into junior high. Baseball. Uh, yeah. yeah, baseball, and then I played basketball and football in junior high. But when I got to senior high, I found I could not hit a curveball, mm-hmm. and I more or less stopped growing right about where I am. And football just, mm, yeah. I was sort of done with football. So um, I 
looked around for something to do. I took a drama class, uh, did my first high school play, The Bad Seed. Uh-huh, uh, sure. Yes, made into a, a film later on. Yeah. And that do. It, it was. And um, the, the rest, you know, then I became a member of the drama club and, and, yeah. and, and then continued on uh, during my time in college. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've never seen The Bad Seed, uh, but I know that uh, many of the theaters that I hung out in in the 70s had the play uh, poster in their yep. uh, green rooms or somebody had stenciled it on the bathroom wall or something. Right. And so it always uh, was a source of uh, curiosity for me, but that's that's terrific. And, and then why um, uh, Clinton, uh, why uh, upstate New York? There's a lot of good theater up there. Did that have something to do with that? Or? No, um, I was looking... Well, it shows the, the importance of mentorship. I wasn't sure, uh, my brother actually was the first one in my family to have gone to college. And he's uh, f- six years older than I. Right. And he had gone to Rensselaer Polytechnic. He's a science mm-hmm. ma- math major mm-hmm. there. And because we didn't have a lot of experience with you know, going to college in, uh, in my family, I knew I wasn't a math person. I, I, I always has been drawn toward literature mm. and English and then drama. And uh, my social studies teacher, who was just excellent, his name was Scott Finnegan, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. He was also the junior varsity baseball coach. And he one day mentioned to me that I might want to look into Hamilton College, where mm-hmm. he was class of 59. Right. And so it went on my list, and I had a couple of larger universities. We were allowed, I think, to uh, apply to four uh, from that high school. And uh, Hamilton, uh, we, we did a campus visit, my mother and father and I, in the winter. And of course, that's part of the lake effect snow belt up there, and, yeah. and it started snowing, and we spent the night in a charming Federalist inn and uh, took a tour, and uh, it just seemed a little bit of a little piece of Shangri-La. Yeah. And I was accepted early in uh, admission, and that's where I matriculated. And as I had mentioned, the English department in particular was uh, spectacular. And, and you I did got, drama there too. I the, did. Yeah. We had three majors mm-hmm. my year. Um, uh, one, uh, my, one of my colleagues went on for a graduate degree in directing from Carnegie, and another colleague became a very well-known soap opera actress in uh, the 19, late 70s and into the 80s, mm-hmm. and is now a Jungian therapist. Uh, uh, but there were just the three of us, which meant that we got to do everything and uh, really write our own ticket. And we had some, some very good teachers uh, during that time. Uh, one who came when I was in my junior year, who only retired last year, mm-hmm. and she was an outstanding teacher. So that's what brought me to Hamilton, and it was a, a very small, intense liberal arts experience. Uh, uh, really learned how to write, uh, read an awful lot of good things, and got a fine background, in dr- mostly in dramatic literature, because mm-hmm. the major, it was an eight-course major, six of those courses had to be dramatic literature. Mm-hmm. Only two were acting or directing or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Was there a, a, a writer that particularly appealed to you, that particularly set you off as a young person? Uh, the again, you know, the importance of mentorship. I had a wonderful Shakespeare teacher, Mr. Barrett, and um, Mr. Wagner, who taught both modern American drama 
and also uh, Restoration 18th century, mm -hmm. a wonderful class in the Restoration and 18th century. So it was really that kind of classic theater because of the intricacy and the, the um, uh, largesse of the language in that. Mm -hmm. I, I really was in love with language. I, I sometimes say that the, the reason I like theater is because it's a chance to live inside great literature. Mm -hmm. And that has been, in many ways, my stock and trade over the course of my career mm -hmm. doing those kinds of, those kinds of plays. Yeah. Yeah, and then the three thousand mile uh, trek uh, to ACT. Um, did that uh, was that the result of a, a teacher pointing you in that direction, or how did you end up there? Interestingly, at that time, there were not many advanced training programs uh -huh. in acting. There was, of course, Yale, and yeah. I did audition for Yale. I went up to New Haven, and I was not accepted in the program. Right. But in New York, uh, Alan Fletcher was there and David Hammond who later was yeah. here and was the person who brought me here to Chapel Hill. Sure. Uh, Alan was the head of the conservatory and David was the assistant and I auditioned for them and I was accepted yeah. and made that decision between the two I thought I really want to go do this. Uh, San Francisco in the 1970s was a really different place than almost <laughs> anywhere else. Yeah. And you can read all about it in Armistead Maupin's Tales of the City right. uh, uh, series. Absolutely. Um, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, to give some idea of the scale of what the theater was, we had um, an equity company of 45 actors, mm -hmm. a student company of 85 actors. There were 60 in the first year. That got cut then to 20 in the second year, and then five were kept. For the third year, uh, we, uh, we were taught by the practicing professionals and a few uh, dedicated teachers, uh, extraordinary, uh, both in the classroom, but also seeing the work that was done on the main stage at the Geary, which ranged from uh, Bill's spectacular uh, operatic productions of, uh, remember, um, uh, bourgeois gentleman that must have had 80 people in it and an extraordinary production of Tiny Alice which is almost never done. That's Albie, yeah. Uh, yes, one of Albie's great works but almost never done because it's so challenging. Yep. And then uh, Alan Fletcher also was one of the three principal directors and Alan was very much a Stanislavski mm -hmm. guy and a great, great teacher, but his production of Desire Under the Elms, for example, um, another play that is not often done because uh, with O'Neill it's, it's really challenging. Mm -hmm. But I saw a great range of work done on a very large scale. And as a, my first show on the Geary stage as a first year student, um, no, I take that back. We were not on the stage in, the, as, in our first years. In our se in my first show in the, in the second year was Alan's production of Othello mm -hmm. with the great Daniel Davis playing Iago. And I was playing Brabantio's servant and Cypriot soldier, as one did, <laughs> you know. Yep. And uh, I remember carrying my lantern and going out with Iago to look for Othello there in the first act and standing 20 feet away from Danny Davis and getting the visceral effect of his acting mm -hmm. and coming to an understanding of you you look at that and you go oh that yeah yeah that's the real 
thing. And you saw it in, in the rehearsal room too. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and uh, it, and and so that was a great process. The, Amer- the American theater is uh, regional theater is full of actors like that that never somehow break into the consciousness of of the American public uh, in the mm-hmm. way that we think of uh, celebrity uh, it's, actors do. It's true. Danny's one breakthrough in in, in the popular. Uh, he was the butler on Who's the Boss mm-hmm. for like 10 years yeah. or however long that ran. Right. And then got two Tony nominations in New York when he moved to New York. One for a, a wonderful play that didn't get much traction called The Wrong Mountain. And then for uh, the uh, invention of love, mm. um, Stoppard's play yeah. about um, oh, yes, uh, oh, is it uh, Auden? Uh, it's the, um, no the um, yes. Here I am. Okay, the English <laughs> major. Uh, I'll think of it. It's the names go first. Shout it Jerry. out. The uh, names go first. Yeah. Um, yeah well, it's uh, the, the same thing happened to me at uh, Trinity Rep when I was there. I, I walked into a rehearsal room and uh, Peter Garrity was sitting there. Uh-huh. I don't know if you ever worked with Peter. Uh, saw, I, saw I met him at, at a conference. And yes. it just uh, from the from the opening line of the first page of the first read through of the play he was into the you know completely into the character yes yeah that's extraordinary and yeah. oh, tell me a little bit because I, I, I admire Bill Ball's mm-hmm. book you know yes. his book a, book a Sense of Direction yep. um, and consider it among the two or three most important and and frankly the most accessible uh, books written about the theater and about directing in the theater what was he like as a person what was it like being in his world yeah he was bill was um had uh and it's a cliche word you know the energy that would that came off him he always seemed um full of life full of excitement passion he was a, a mesmerizing speaker he could hold a room uh, um, so uh, brilliantly mm-hmm. and motivate uh, the a- any group that he was speaking to it was he had a um, I think people who know Bill would, would say that there was an eccentricity about him uh, but that did not mean that he had not started this company, which was ar- is arguably uh, one of the gr- great, if not the at its height, the greatest of the American regional mm-hmm. theaters. Um, uh, on, a, on, a, on a completely different note, um, Bill happened to be a, a, a guy who had lost his hair early mm-hmm. and w- wore his hair kind of as the side, slicked back on the side, and uh, since my hair was going from a fairly early age, I took great comfort in um, <laughs> in the style yeah. and uh, the uh, elan that Bill uh, used in presenting himself in that yeah. way. And it, yeah. it was a consolation to me as my own follicles uh, yeah. fell to the floor. If it's good for him, yes, it's good it was, for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absol- but I, I want to reiterate what you said about that book, uh, A Sense of Direction. I actually used that in my graduate acting class oh, as one of the two good. principal texts. Yeah. because of what he says about the theater and about we can learn, actors can learn what a really good director is and what a really good director expects from actors. There's, there was a company and, and is a company at ACT. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, and, and of course there's a company here at Playmakers mm-hmm. as well, yep. and by that we we don't mean a loose-knit group of people that occasionally come together, but a, but a group of people who are paid professionals who, who gather each day and commit their lives to this art form. What is, what is the value of that 
in your mind, Ray, the, the value of a company of actors as opposed to jobbing in each yeah. role for each show? Well, yeah. Um, boy, that... Or is there? I, a, I must put in no, words no, in your you're, mouth. You're very, uh, you're very right. Uh, to, to, it's an open question, I think, and, and, and you can argue both sides. Back in the 1970s, when I went to graduate training, we all assumed that we were there to uh, train for the regional theater and that there would be a significant regional theater in most every city in the country. Yeah. That lasted f into the 80s, but not much longer right. than that. And the economic realities began to hit the idea of supporting a company over 40 or 50 weeks of the year uh, at, a, at a living wage. Mm -hmm. Uh, became uh, very challenging for a lot of places and as you point out we are here uh, there are six of us uh, and we are one of the few real companies six actors I should say and mm -hmm. three designers and a director and a complete tech staff and uh, many of us have been together just about 30 years the uh, and and there aren't many other places like that. Is there another in the south, in the southeastern United States? Do you know? Or? The Alley has um, ah, that's Texas. A very strong. It's true. <laughs> that is Texas. N not uh, no, I, not, not I that I'm aware so. of. There may be some. Uh, I'm thinking of the Warehouse Theater in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. These would be non-union houses. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. The, yeah. Ashland is probably the great example mm -hmm. we have now of a resident company. Uh, Alabama used to be, when I was at Alabama, we had a, in 89, we had a company of 25. Alabama Shakespeare. Alabama Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, and then there still are some people there. Our, I th artistic directors, and I've heard this expressed, they would rather go and get the exact right um, person for the part as opposed to mm -hmm. um, using somebody who is a member of the company, but um, might not fit exactly, and I would say the one the one great uh, ex great exemption to that, and I should of course mention this, is that when Joe Hodge came back here as artistic director in two thousand six, Joe's idea was to really stress the idea of company, and that is the resident f company of actors who are on the faculty, but also the actors that we would bring in as graduate students, mm -hmm. and Joe programmed for the company, fostered a company atmosphere, mm -hmm. would bring in one, maybe two guest artists uh, for each show. Yeah. With Nicholas Nickleby, we really did the whole thing with the, with Justin. Your smile was, was a student, as I recall. Yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, Jason Powers was, was a smike. And uh, Joe really stressed that, and the audiences responded to it. And because of our particular setup here, we can do a show as large as Nicholas, if, if need be. Yeah. And uh, it was designed by our in-house designers, uh, Jan Chambers and McKay Coble, and mm -hmm. Joe directed it along with um, Tom Quaintance was his co-director. Mm -hmm. Tom is now artistic director in Norfolk yes. at the theater there. Uh, so so we, we here have been uh, a company for a long time and it's made up of the co faculty actors and the usually 12 we now have 13 graduate student actors as well yeah and it's uh, it's it's a valuable thing it seems to me and, and every place that I've had the fortune to work as as an actor that has a company the the work seems to be at a different level to me and mm -hmm. so I wonder what would lead uh, artistic directors to that 
idea that they that they want the right the the absolutely right actor is it is it a fantasy of of getting a play to Broadway or something like that? I mean, is that is that what's behind that, or what what is I, it? I, I, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, the the one in particular that I, I recall hearing having said that is it, I was uh, in charge of a theater fairly near New York, mm -hmm. and so had a wide selection of very fine actors to choose sure, from. Sure, sure. The my my strong preference is for a company. Of actors, because for a number of reasons, but we have a shorthand now mm -hmm. after working with somebody for twenty years, where you trust them, you know them. It becomes easy. The rehearsal process becomes easy. You skip the step of getting to know people. Uh, you're proud of working with, you know, if I'm working with Kathy Williams or Jeff Cornell. Um, or any of the others uh, mm -hmm. on the company, I'm I'm proud to be up there with them, and uh, the uh, there's a sense of creating something together that is larger than uh, any individual among us, mm -hmm. and that goes for a long way. And we all support each other, and we all know how hard we all work, right. and so there's a great level of support and care that carries over to all aspects of our time here. Uh, so back to New York after mm -hmm. after ACT, uh, you spent mm -hmm. uh, 10, 15 years in about New York, ten, like about that? twelve, twelve years, 12 yeah, years, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you had some interesting experiences there. You worked with Nicole Williamson. I in did the uh, Scottish play three times. I worked with Nick. Um, it was the first time was in uh, we it started in in uh, nineteen eighty one. Uh, I auditioned. I was actually playing a. In, uh, at CSC Rep, I was in the company there mm -hmm. and I had an opportunity to audition for Nickel for his production of Macbeth that was to be done at um, Circle in the Square. Yeah. And lo and behold, I got the job. So necessitated uh, leaving the company at CSC, which I felt very bad about, and mm -hmm. eventually made up with uh, Christopher Martin, the artistic director there, who was a, a real important influence on my work. That's an extraordinary space, too. I, I uh, the 13th Street, yeah, yeah people the don't, Abbey. Don't yeah. give it quite the credit it deserves. It, it, it is an, a wonderful theater space. Uh, but the, um, the production of uh, Macbeth went into rehearsal with Sigourney Weaver mm -hmm. as the lady. Yeah. J.T. Uh, Walsh, who later came to much prominence, he, may he rest in peace, um, yeah. in uh, Good Morning Vietnam, among other things, was playing Macduff, and it was a fine, fine cast. Um, we went through some. He was in Blood Simple, I think, right? The Coen uh, Brothers movie. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah he died uh, quite young, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Jameson played the bloody sergeant, and who also passed away mm -hmm. uh, at a young age. I did that role at New Jersey Shakespeare yep. once. <laughs> it's a crucial role. You're Speaking setting up the whole thing. A page and a half and That's then it. bugger off. You know, end up playing two more roles down yeah. the road, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, the show went through a number of vicissitudes. There are two new biographies of Nickel that have just come out, one called Beware the Actor and the other called Black Sheep, both of which chronicle that um, production and others of his, but that production in particular in uh, in pretty great detail. Well, I and wanted to ask you, uh, mm -hmm. I, I always wondered, was that production what um, I Hate Hamlet was kind of modeled after, you know, the 
which Nicole uh, Williamson did as well. Right, right. Not, no, not really. Not necessarily. Uh, Nick had done the, uh, the, the Macbeth in, in London mm-hmm. with Tony Richardson, yeah. I believe, as director. And wow. he, uh, Nicole was the, uh, you know, the, uh, one of the great, great actors that I've worked with. And he was brilliant with Shakespeare text. He had a volcanic presence on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, was again um, uh, eccentric um, in his in, in his uh, habits and, yeah. and behaviors. Yeah. Uh, was all I have to say was always very kind to me, and I he hired me twice more, uh, which I was very grateful for. Um, he directed that production too. He did. Yeah. He did. And uh, the I Hate Hamlet was so oh boy five six seven years later, right. and probably. Yeah. And he was playing Barrymore, and uh, that has become, of course, the famous um, uh, example of his um, challenging behaviors, uh, professional behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Interesting. So, but it, well, but well I know he did. Yeah, he did in that show. But I, I thought that Rudnick had kind of written the play, sort of as a thinly veiled. Uh, I, you know, I, I I never heard that. It's possible. I, I I'd always assumed that he wrote it based on legends about John Barrymore, um, an actor that. Um, who was the guy who dropped out of the show because William Evan Handler. Evan Handler, yeah. Yes. Handler's understudy was an actor at Trinity when I was there, and so when yeah. when he moved into the part, Andrew Mutnick was his name. Right, right. Uh, he he invited me to come yep. see the production, so yeah. I have a very uh, tangential relationship to to all of that. But yeah. uh, and that was at Circle in the Square, I believe. Is that right? Uh, I remember seeing it in a Broadway house, not at Circle. No, uh, the Scottish. Oh, the Scottish Play. Yes, yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah with Aaron Fifty First. A notoriously yeah. difficult space oh, to perform in. It is. It really yeah. is. Yeah. But. Uh, it, um, you know, m- much of it was was good. It uh, it got it did not do well critically, and it closed I think mm. two weeks early. And you did uh, you did a lot of regional work uh, yes. around that time and after that time. And yeah. then at some point, uh, did the playmaker's job was it offered to you as it is now, or did you come here to do a play and just decided you wanted to stay? Or? Great question. Uh, I, David and I, David Hammond, was by then had been hired by Millie Barringer, uh-huh. who was the chair of the department and the executive producer of the theater. Uh, David was brought down from Yale. He had gone to Yale from ACT uh, to be the artistic director of the theater and the head of the acting program. Mm -hmm. And in 88, we had talked about me coming and doing a season, the season that included um, Marriage of Figaro. Uh, I was busy, I couldn't come, but then I went to Alabama and uh, Martin Platt, the founding artistic director, mm-hmm. uh, was there for the one year, but then left. And Martin had become a good friend, and so I was not interested in staying on. And David and I were talking, and he said, "Well, why don't you stop on your way back to New York and do the season?" Yeah. So I said, "Okay." And so drove from Alabama to um, Chapel Hill, yeah. and that season was the Cherry Orchard, Pinter's Old Times, <laughs> the first year of David's adaptation of the Nutcracker. Um, Love's Labor's Lost, True West, and The Rivals. A truly great a season. season. Yeah. And in the middle of that year, Millie asked me if I'd like to start teaching in the graduate program, mm-hmm. picking up the first year scene study class, and I did. And 
doors kept opening, uh, 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 visiting appointment became available the next year, that was renewed for a year, and then a faculty appointment mm -hmm. um, uh, was offered, and I took it, and one thing led to another, and uh, I'm still here, and it's been a spectacular, rewarding, uh, now almost 30 years. Yeah, and you still go off uh, uh, <coughs> and work in other uh, regional theaters and do film work, I guess, and television work. Um, I, I, I do. Um, I've been able to go away quite a bit. Most recently was uh, two years ago uh, the Fol at the Folger Theater in mm -hmm. Washington doing mm -hmm. uh, Mary Stewart, show mm -hmm. as Mary Stewart. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I really can't go away. I was on leave that semester. I did some uh, work up in New York mm -hmm. as well that semester. Um, the Usually I can't go away. And then for the summer, sometimes there's a, an offer, sometimes there isn't. We have to be back in mid-August, which yeah. cuts out a lot of um, summer Shakespeare work and things like that. But in the late 90s, it, there were four, year, four summers in um, Santa Fe with mm -hmm. Martin Platt at the Santa Fe Stages yeah. International Theater yeah. Festival. And That's that was town. very special. Yeah. Yes, I that was it. very special. Um, when you teach, um, mm -hmm. Ray, what do you teach? Uh, in the graduate program, uh, in the, uh, over the it, it's varied, but say s for the last fifteen years, uh, I teach the second year sequence, which it begins with Shakespeare in the fall semester, and then in the spring, uh, what what we're calling it now is passion pieces. That's mm -hmm. a phrase I borrowed from my former colleague and friend Joan Darling. It's roles or plays that the young actors have always had a passion for. Hmm. So and they give you the curriculum, sort of? Uh, they bring in the, the work. Uh -huh. And last semester we had everything from Entezaki Shange to Eugene O'Neill, yeah. a good deal of August Wilson, uh, Tom Stoppard. It's mm -hmm. just a gourmet cafeteria of the world's great theater. It mm -hmm. truly is. And in the undergrad uh, um, division, I for a long time have been teaching acting for the camera. Uh, last, semest last semester, yes, I picked up um, advanced acting, which was Shakespeare for undergrads, mm -hmm. acting in Shakespeare for undergrads. I have taught uh, dramatic literature, um, large lecture classes, uh, small, large and small, uh, but this is going back a ways now. Mostly it's been acting for the camera and this uh, graduate acting. So those are the, those are the classes. Um, is there something under all that that you talk to students about? You know, you've described a, a progression in the American theater from this kind of halcyon idea of, re, uh, you know, mm -hmm. regional theaters capable of supporting companies of artists who could have a house and a dog and a children and, a, uh, and then do that kind of serious work uh, right. in the same way that the butcher or the baker or the barber does their work. Um, but yep. but you've also described the progression away from that over the last thirty to forty years. Um, what do you what do you tell a young actor about that? Um, it's a great question, and it's the ongoing question in not only in our program but in programs all across the country, yeah. and everyone has a different approach. What what is clear? Uh, 
one thing that is clear is, of course, acting in front of the camera mm-hmm. is going to be an important part of any well-rounded actor's livelihood. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to go into devised work, um, something like elevator repair service, you know, yeah. where you become monk-like and work only in that company for a particular artistic mm-hmm. reason. If you are going to be a <clears throat> what we might call a mainstream actor, you're going to be doing uh, television work in particular because there is so much more camera work now, not only television, but we should say uh, streaming uh, things, Netflix uh, and uh, um, Amazon, Amazon every, yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah. There's a great need for actors uh, now. Right. So, so that for sure. Um, but the way the way in each actor is different. The mistake. A mistake that can be made is to try to do the proverbial cookie cutter and turn each actor into the uh, kind of same person. Mm-hmm. My approach has always been that each actor should be developed for the strengths and the persona that that actor has because that is going to be what the industry will see and want to make use of. Yeah. And and it's different for every actor. Some are, uh, um, we have you know young leading men and women who are ready to go bang right onto television. Mm-hmm. We have character uh, actors who we, you might call character actors who um, want to take a different approach. Mm-hmm. Some are, are writers as well as actors. Yeah. Some are directors as well as actors. Mm-hmm. Some want to make films. In In all of these cases, having studied acting, knowing how to talk about acting to actors will be helpful to them. Uh, If they're in front of the camera, they have their own um, technique. Uh, If they're on stage, they know, they absolutely know what they're doing because all of them will have graduated with uh, significant experience at Playmakers, working with uh, seasoned professionals, mm-hmm. both their their teachers and the um, guests that we bring in, including some very, very fine directors who are on their way up. And the idea there being is that they get to know those directors, and as the directors become more successful, mm-hmm. they are they're already known in their Rolodex, as yes, we used to the, say back in the day. You had the the guy from Jun Lin here a couple uh, of years ago. Dominique right? Saran, yeah, right. Yeah, which and is not a bad uh, credit not, for a young actor to have. Not a, bad. And, of course, uh, Joe Hodge himself yeah. is at the Guthrie at the now, Guthrie, oh, and yeah. so that doesn't hurt yeah. as well. <laughs> not so much. Um, yeah. yeah, all of that. And Blake Robison, uh, class of 1991, yeah. is running the Cincinnati yeah. Playhouse. Uh, so... You know, the, we have a network of people out in the uh, in the field mm-hmm. at this point. What are you doing this year at Playmakers? Uh, we're starting with uh, Sherwood, The Adventures of Robin Hood, written by Ken Ludwig of um, Lend Me a Tenor fame. So are you, it's are you doing I it? am I am in that uh-huh. uh, playing Prince John and a dozen other roles as we all are. Right. It's it's a I would say a rollicking farce mm-hmm. and a great um, great fun. We, we have our fight director back from Cyrano. Kara Wooten, and uh, Jack Herrick of the Red Clay Ramblers is doing the music, okay. so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Dominique Morisot's skeleton crew in the second slot uh, with two of with uh, Kathy Williams and Sam uh, Gates of our faculty acting company, and uh, Alex Gibbons and Chanel Leonard of uh, the uh, MFA company, the PATP, Professional Actor Training Company. Then She Loves Me, a wonderful musical. Yeah. Um, which I, I'll be in as well. 
<laughs> the um, the middle show in the small theater is called Bewilderness. Uh, it is a play about Henry David Thoreau, written and directed by Zach Fine, who was with us a couple of years ago, played Oberon in Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be in that one. It should be great fun. Zach yeah. is a, an amazing guy. Yeah. Um, then we have a new play called Jump, which will be uh, done with, am I right? Yes, the company, there'll be four company actors in that. Then uh, The Life of Galileo by Brecht, and Viv Vivian is directing that. Whose adaptation? Uh, we, I don't know. Vivian oh. has been looking. I believe she's found one, okay. uh, but not the old Michael Feingold one, or uh, I think it's Michael Feingold. Was the, I'm sorry, Eric Bentley. The, yeah, uh, sure. That was done for many, many years. I was uh, in his apartment once in New York. <laughs> I bet it had a lot of books. Is it all had, I'm guessing. It had lots of lots and lots of interesting uh, books and uh, art and uh, all sorts of interesting things yeah. in that apartment. Yeah. Anyway, and, and then what else? Uh, 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 how I Learned to Drive. Oh, uh, lovely. Uh, great lovely. Paula Vogel play. Julia yeah. Gibson, my dear colleague, will be playing the lead in that I with Jeff that, Cornell uh, as first, Uncle Ben. Uh, first production of that off-Broadway back in the And was that... Um, Mary Louise It was Parker Mary Louise, right. David Morse, I think. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Was playing, playing against, that was one of his first uh, not-so-nice yeah. guys. Yeah. After yeah. St. Elsewhere. Which is right. part of why the play worked so That's well, I think. That's yeah. exactly right. Ray, it's uh, fantastic to have you uh, with us in our little podcast. We appreciate it, and we... Um, Speaking for the entire community, appreciate the work that you've done here at Playmakers and for the entire community over the last 25 to 30 years. So thank you. Jerry, I thank you so much, and I so admire what you and Simi have done at uh, Burning Coal. And you've celebrated a, a, an anniversary recently yeah. as well. Yeah. And uh, God bless you, and we'll continue doing this together. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Subscriptions to our upcoming 2018-2019 main stage season are now available. Order today and guarantee yourself a seat to David Hare's Stuff Happens, Connor McPherson's The Weir, Hannah Benitez's Ash and Johannesburg, and Sue Townsend's The Great Celestial Cow. For more information, visit our website at burningcoal.org.